You're listening to the Run Pass Option with Pro Football Hall of Famer Isaac Bruce and Doc Holliday. We talk sports because we know sports. How are you? Welcome to another episode of the Run Pass Option with Pro Football Hall of Famer Isaac Bruce and Doc Holliday. I am Doc Holliday, and I'm riding this thing solo again today. Because I want to talk about the NBA playoffs. Three games on the slate, the NBA playoffs slate still in the first round. One team moving on to the second round, though, the first team to move on to the second round this season. And that's really the team I'm going to start with, the Boston Celtics taking on the Brooklyn Nets. Boston with the chance to sweep the Brooklyn Nets, led by head coach Steve Nash, first time being an NBA coach, he gets to be the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. But the thing about it, he has, or had, still has, started off with three of the best players in the NBA, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, traded James Harden during the season to Philadelphia, got Ben Simmons back. I mean, got Ben Simmons for James Harden. Ben Simmons never played. But we'll talk about that later. Right now, we're going to talk about this game four. The Boston Celtics and the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn trying not to get swept up out of the playoffs by Boston. But that's what happened. That's what happened. I'm surprised they got swept. Because, you know, they have a great player like Kevin Durant. They have a great player like Kyrie Irving. But the Boston Celtics have a great team with a great player in Jason Tatum. And they have a great team. Also led by a first-year head coach, M.A. Udoka, who did an outstanding job with Boston. And they swept the Brooklyn Nets out of the playoffs. Boston ended up winning 116-112. to 112, And the fact of the matter is, they're just a better team. Just a better team. Well-coached, M.A. Udoka. Thoroughly outcoached Steve Nash. Steve Nash looked like he didn't know what he was doing. Like he was just throwing the ball out there and telling KD and Kyrie out just who. I didn't see any offensive sets. I didn't see any offensive game plans. I didn't see any offensive adjustments. I didn't see any defensive adjustments. I didn't see anything. Now, at one point, he did try to go small. He did make that adjustment. That backfired on him because Boston just went to banging. and kept banging on him. But the Celtics, on the other hand, you got to give them, got to give it to them. They beat Brooklyn because they are the better team. Clearly the better team with the better head coach. Clearly. Because I expected Brooklyn to come out, okay, they don't want to get swept. No one wants to get swept. But I know Kevin Durant, two-time NBA champion, two-time uh, two finals MVP, has a gold medal, one of the best players to ever play the game. And he's still one of the best players to ever play the game. And I was just like, okay, KD going to come out. All kinds of pride. He don't want to get swept. He going to come out hooping. He going to come out aggressive. He did come out aggressive. And he did come out hooping. But it just wasn't enough. Because KD struggled this entire series. But the Boston Celtics made him struggle. M.A. Udoka, his defensive game plan, double him, definitely switch on him. Jason Tatum, you ain't got him. Jalen Brown, you go get him. Al Horford, you go get him. 
Marcus Smart, if you can get up in his chest and be a little pass to him, you get him. But Marcus Smart's the defensive player of the year. Had an excellent game plan for him. If they wasn't switching off on defenders, they were double-teaming double him, being physical with him, getting in his space, not letting him get comfortable at all. And it's hard to make Kevin Durant uncomfortable anytime he's taking a shot. I'm, I still be surprised every time he, he misses. But he missed often during this series, and Boston's defense is why. Now, before I get on Kevin Durant's stats, let me get on Boston Celtics' stats because, as I said, they are the winners. Led by a young superstar who has to be considered one of the best in the game. And I'm talking about Jason Tatum. Not only does Tatum play great, great defense, he has an all-around offensive game. Man. He can drive on you and dunk on you. He can sprinkle them tankers on you, which means them threes. He can dribble. Tatum finishes with 29 points. He goes four of six from three-point range. Nine of 16 shots taking good shots. Now, a couple of shots he took were tough shots, and he still knocked them down, even banked in a three. When a, cat's bank, when a cat is already hooping and they banking in threes, it's pretty much over for your ass. And it was. And Jason Tatum, even though he fouled out. Fouled out on a six-foul call. It was a trash call. It, it really was. And these referees have been horrible this first round. I mean, just no consistency, just horrible. But Tatum still balled out. The moment wasn't too big for him. The moment wasn't too big for the Celtics. And I say too big because when you're up 3-0, you expect to get the other team's best performance, best effort, especially when they got two of the best players in the NBA on their team with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. But that moment wasn't too big for him. Some people were even saying Boston should have left. They should have lost toward the end of the season so they could have avoided playing Brooklyn in the first round. But Boston was like, hey, man, we're the number two seed. The Celtics were like, we're not running from anybody. Hell, we ducking for? No. Jump up. We got you. So they faced Brooklyn. They swept them right on up out of there. Swept them right on up out of there. Four games to none. Jason Tatum, great game. Jalen Brown, his counterpart, his teammate, 22 points, eight rebounds for him, eight rebounds for him. Marcus Smart, 20 points, 11 assists. Marcus Smart just tough. Dude just tough, man. He's one of those dudes, he's just a tough player, and he can score on you. They have a nice nucleus. They have a nice group of players. Because Marcus Smart is like a role player. His role is to play great defense, but he will crush you on the offensive end if given the opportunity. And he was given the opportunity, and he gave it to the Brooklyn Nets. 20 points, 11 assists for him. Al Horford, 13 points, 6 rebounds. And Big Al, 3 for 5 for 3-point range. Big guy, big man. But he has an outside shot. Four of their five starters in double figures. Those big four. Then Grant Williams coming off the bench. He had 14 points, four of six and three-point rounds. He knocked down. Hit the threes, he knocked down with big threes. Because it seems like when Brooklyn made a run 
it looks like they were about to get some momentum. They would hit a big shot, and I'd be damn Boston would come right down and hit a big shot to answer that big shot. And it had to be frustrating for uh for the Nets. Had to. Hell, it was frustrating for me, and I wasn't even, I ain't even no really no Nets fan. I do like KD though. I do like Kyrie. But the fact of the matter is the Boston Celtics were a better team in the regular season for whatever reason. Clearly the better team in the postseason. Clearly had the best coach. And M.A. Idoko, and I hope I'm uh, pronouncing your name correctly, my brother. Outstanding job, man. Outstanding job. I clap to you. Because it's one thing to game plan. It's another thing to get millionaires, grown millionaires, to listen to your game plan and execute and play hard. Boston plays hard. That shows me how much respect they have for their head coach. They went right in there and swept them right on out of there. And Boston out-rebounded Brooklyn 45-38. to 38. Absolutely dominated in the paint. Celtics 44 paint, paint points. Brooklyn 32. And Brooklyn never lived. Close, I mean, uh, uh, a game which they were trying to avoid getting swept. At home, couldn't get a lead. Boston wouldn't have it. I think Boston's largest lead was, was, was 15 points. They ended up winning by three, I think, if, if, if I'm correct. And all credit goes to the Boston Celtics. We can talk about Kevin Durant struggling, Kevin Durant not looking like himself. Hey, man. He did this, score 39 points in this last game, 96-7 rebounds. Now, the 39 points look good. Now, watching the game, Kevin Durant hit some tough shots. He hit some shots that he hadn't been hitting. And the 39 looks good, but he went 13 of 31 from the field. 13 of 31 from the field, 311 from three-point range. That's still not Kevin Durant. The 39 points is Kevin Durant. But 39 points on 13 and 31 shooting is not Kevin Durant. So it is Kevin Durant, and it's not Kevin Durant at the same time. He struggled. They made it tough for him. And Kyrie, 20 points, five assists, five rebounds, six to 13 field goals, two or three for threes. He really wasn't no factor, though. And that's hard coming out of my mouth that Kyrie Irving was not a factor. If I were to say that during a regular season game, it wouldn't feel right. Especially in a playoff game, it doesn't feel right. Especially in a game where your team is almost about to get swept, which they did get swept, it doesn't sound right. But he wasn't a factor in the game. He wasn't. And I know a lot of people have been arguing about, man, if Kevin Durant gets swept, he's no longer my best player on the planet. He's still very, very good. But you talk about best player in the NBA. I, I, did, I didn't get it to Kevin Durant anyway. I got it to Giannis, not to the Kumpo. And I still do. But does it tarnish anything that Kevin Durant do, has done or anything that he is? Man, hell no, bro. Don't diminish the defensive excellence that Boston just displayed and exemplified 
by saying Kevin Durant was just struggling. There was a reason why he was struggling. He has some tall, long dudes that are very mobile on him, guarding him, man. Not just one, not just two, three. And they matched up well with him. It's one thing to be tall, but it's another thing to be long. It's another thing to be tall and long. And Jason Tatum is kind of tall and long. And they, did a great, and they did a great job on him, man. I'm surprised that Brooklyn, you know, I thought they win at least two games. I thought maybe they win possibly three before the series started because you just think about it, Kevin Durant, Kyrie, they're not going to get swept. That's what you, that's what you automatically, but that's what happened. But it's not all on them. I, I, Steve Nash, I'm telling you, Steve Nash just looked like he just threw the ball out there and said, man, y'all go hoop. He's still the head coach. I don't care who tries to take the blame off of him. He's still the head coach. Mike Greenberg said on Get Up that Steve Nash is not his fault. How in the hell is it not his fault and he is the head coach? Say what you want to say about LeBron and the Lakers. Frank Vogel, that's your fault. You're the head coach. You'll take the credit if they would have won the championship. So take the credit when they get swept up out of there. Take the blame. Give him the blame. Because trust me, if the Brooklyn Nets would have won the NBA championship this year, they would have been giving Steve Nash all kinds of praise. First-year head coach, first-time NBA coach, what did an amazing job. But now that he lost and got swept, now it's the player's fault. No, bro. You got to get the players to play for you because I was looking on the bench several times you coaching and talking, and I know a couple of players. I'm just looking at a couple of players. They're just looking up at the scoreboard, not listening to you at all. So it ultimately falls on the head coach too now. He has to take a lot of blame. Don't just try to blame Kevin, uh, uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Don't do that. We're going to talk about how horrible of a job Steve Nash did. He, got a, he did a horrible job because still, as the head coach, with those two dudes, you shouldn't be swept. And I heard some media members talking about Kevin Durant said he couldn't figure out how to get himself open. Man, that's the damn head coach's job too now. Draw up a game plan. Draw up some plays. Get in the film room. Study. Learn how to get them open. Learn how to get them open. You didn't do that. Make some kind of adjustment. You didn't do that. Well, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving do what they want to do. You're still the head coach. Got to listen to you. They got to respect you. And people can say, well, Ben Simmons, it was a distraction. Man, they, I don't think they never expect, ever expected Ben Simmons to play. And all those national media members making fun of Ben Simmons, man, I don't think it's funny, bro. I don't think it's funny because he said he was dealing with mental health issues and also his back. Who are you all to say he's not dealing with mental health issues? Who are, who are you to, all to say his back not hurting? And I know it's a lot of Shaq fans out there and Charles Barkley, man, and Stephen A. Smith. Look, man, I, okay, but it's, it, it, it's not cool 
some of the things that they've said about this dude and this young man hasn't done anything to them personally. Now I go on Twitter or whatever, social media, and criticize some of the things that Shaq and especially Stephen A. Smith has said about Ben Simmons and Kyrie or anybody else for that matter. And Charles Barkley said, I, 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 I criticize them and their fans jump on their side. So it's okay for them to be on TV to criticize players, but they're not supposed to be criticized. No one is supposed to say anything about what they say. No one is going to have, no one is supposed to call them on the trash that they be saying. Why? They do it. They're not going to do it to each other because they all in the same little game. And it's one thing to criticize somebody's basketball playing ability, man. But Shaq said the man punked out, as we say in the hood. We don't say that in the hood, for one. We don't say, man, you punked out, bro. Not in big old Memphis. We don't say that. We say other things. And Steve, for Stephen A. Smith to say Ben Simmons, and I don't know Ben Simmons, never met him, never talked to him. But for Stephen A. Smith to say he's, what do he say, the most despicable? I'm paraphrasing, but these are synonyms to the words that he used if he didn't use these exact words. Despicable, disgusting, professional athlete he's ever seen. And the only reason he said that is that because Ben Simmons has been playing. I mean, he has been uh, uh, getting paid and hasn't been playing because he's hurt. That makes him despicable and disgusting. The worst athletes, he, athlete he's ever seen. That's what Stephen A. Smith said about this young man. And they're going at this, this young man's head, attacking his character. And I don't think Ben Simmons ever been arrested. I don't think Ben Simmons ever said any of the foul and disrespectful things that Charles Barkley said. He'll work for the Ku Klux Klan if they paid him enough. That was a long time ago. So you don't joke about nothing like that. I don't think Ben Simmons ever said or did anything like that. I don't think Ben Simmons ever tried to get his head coach fired in college. The head coach, y'all say he didn't play for. Y'all say he quit on LSU. But I don't think he tried to get his coach fired like Stephen A. Smith did when he was playing for a legend. Mr. Clarence Big House Gaines at Winston-Salem State had him on scholarship and wrote a newspaper article saying he need to, be, he need to retire or, or lose his job. I don't think he ever did those things. I don't think it, Ben Simmons ever tried to spit on a fan, but ended up spitting on a little girl like Barkley did. But they mad at Ben Simmons because he's getting someone else else's money because they keep bringing up his salary. And I'm telling y'all now, the owners control what them dudes say because these are players mad that Ben Simmons and other people are getting money that ain't they money. They ain't got nothing to do with them. But Ben Simmons can fight for himself. But wrong is wrong, man. If they can get on their platform and, and criticize people and talk, talk about people and 
say some of the most disrespectful, vilest things, man, it could be said about them too. Because all of them going at, at Ben Simmons, and I don't know the dude. As I said, man, if this man says he's having mental health issues and Shaq was going in hard on him, and Shaq admitted that Ben Simmons sent him a private message and kind of shared some things that was going on with him. I think Shaq said this back in February. So he said, okay, I'm going to back off. I understand. But that backing off didn't last because you right back on his beam. And as far as I know, Ben Simmons hasn't done anything to either of you all personally. It's one thing to criticize somebody's basketball game and their ability, but to attack someone's character. Y'all go to talking about his clothes, what he focused on, yada, 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 doing it for attention. Y'all say things for attention. That's all y'all do is want attention. Shaq just said on Inside the NBA late tonight, he want to be the record holder for most field goals because he liked the attention. That's why y'all on TV, because y'all like the attention. Oh, but Ben Simmons can't like the attention. Y'all get paid millions of dollars to just sit up there and talk about people. Y'all ain't working, mixing drinks. Throwing eggs, that's entertaining, huh? Sandman, go get him. But that's what y'all do. Dog those young, young people, man. But Celtics, salute to you. Head coach M.A. Udoka, salute to you. Jason Tatum, salute to you, man. Jalen Brown, salute to you. Marcus Smart, Al Horford, the rest of you, salute to you. Grant Williams, way the ball out coming off the bench. Y'all on to the second round. First team in the NBA to move on to the second round so y'all can relax a little bit. Because two more Eastern Conference teams also played same night y'all was playing. Philadelphia taking on the Raptors. Philadelphia trying to sweep the Raptors. We're trying to finish out the series. At home. Could have finished them out. One, two in Toronto. One, three in Toronto. Lost game four in Toronto. Toronto survived. So this game was in Philly. So he expecting, okay, Philly going to go ahead and close them out. Toronto said, hell to the no, you're not. Hell to the no, you're not. Toronto wins game five, 103 to 88, and it wasn't even close. They just beat them down. The Sixers were not ready to play, and Toronto was ready to play. And shout out to Toronto for avoiding elimination for the second straight game. Now that series goes back to Toronto, where they have an opportunity to tie it up, three games apiece, where they have an opportunity to be the first team ever to come back from an 0-3 deficit. And they did so because of the guy named Pascal. Pascal Siakam. They kind of criticized Pascal the first three games, said he wasn't being... First three games of this series said he wasn't being that aggressive, need to score more. He went off last game, I think, what, 34 points, I think. This game in Philly, he ends up with what? Pascal. 23 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists. Almost had damn near messed around, almost damn near had a triple double. He got some help from my University of Memphis Tiger brother. Presses the Chua coming off the bench with 17 points and 7 rebounds. And Toronto playing without Fred Van Vliet. He hurt his hip, so he was he won he didn't play. But they didn't need him. They came out and, and, and 
beat the Sixers' heads in in Philadelphia. And Philly should, I expected Philly to play better at home with a chance to go ahead and close it out so you can get a little rest possibly. Especially with your big dog being hurt, that thumb. They said it's going to need surgery, tore some ligaments in his right thumb. Is the right thumb, left thumb? Going to need surgery. Y'all can go ahead on play well, close them out. Maybe get a little rest before you have to play again. Nope. Toronto wasn't having it. Pascal Siakam wasn't having it. Raptors knock him off 103.88. For the Sixers, Joy LMB playing out the, you know, is, is he playing with the hurt thumb. He struggled. 20 points, 11 rebounds. Man, I, I can't imagine playing with a hurt thumb. thumb. Trying to dribble, trying to play defense, shooting. All this is uncomfortable. Has to be painful. But not only with the 20 points and 11 rebounds on Joel Embiid like. He admittedly was horrible on defense. Said he was too stationary at times, which he was. Needed to move his feet more, which he did need to, because he didn't. He was just standing there like a big Embiid tree. Making you want to sing Joel, Joel around the big Embiid tree. And Toronto was singing and dancing all around. But he admitted that he, need, he, he needed to play better on defense. The Sixers needed to play better on defense. First quarter was cool. Toronto was just up 29 to 27 after one. Now, after the first quarter, they took control, came out, scored the first 12 points of the second quarter. Philadelphia let Toronto come out and score the first 12 points of the second quarter. It took the Sixers five minutes to score a bucket. To get a point, not just a bucket, to get a point. And they didn't get one until Danny Green hit a three, I think, with like 6.58 left. But by that time, hell, Toronto had got a lead. They weren't trying to give it up. Danny Green hit that three, made it 41 and 30, but Toronto had already took control of the ball game. And the Sixers, they just didn't play with any energy. Didn't play with any toughness. Didn't play with, you know, that closeout mentality that you need. And they lost. They lost big. They didn't play well. They didn't entertain the fans properly. And the fans let them know it because they booed them. You know, Philly, they'll boo your ass, and they booed them. Booed them right off the court. Booed them right off the court. Then one of Philadelphia's raps, quote-unquote, stars. I'm not going to – I mean, Meek Mill was at the game. They said Meek Mill, six is down 14 late in the game. I guess he may have been sitting courtside, put his hood on. Walked off with his head down like he was embarrassed. What you, the only thing you should be embarrassed about is that sorry-ass album you just put out. Don't try to act like you're embarrassed at how the Sixers playing. What was it, Expensive Pain? It was an expensive pain for anybody that bought that and listened to it. Oh, many people didn't buy it, though. So don't be trying to act all embarrassed about how the Sixers playing. You need to be embarrassed about that, that album you put out. But anyway, Toronto, chance to tie that series up in three games apiece, man. Philly, y'all need y'all heads whooped, man, for, for playing that badly. 
That's bad basketball from on y'all part. Good basketball on y'all part, Toronto. And speaking of good basketball, the Dallas Mavericks, man, the Utah Jazz. Utah didn't stand a chance, bro. Utah did, Utah's the higher seat. They didn't stand a chance in game five. Dallas beat them 102-77. The Jazz finished with 77 points. And number 77 for Dallas gave them the business. And number 77 for Dallas is Luka Doncic. Dude is a baller. 33 points, 13 boards for Luka Doncic. He can make every shot. That's a big dude who can dribble. He knocks down the threes. He gives you step back threes. He'll work you in the post. Rudy Gobert got caught out on that island a couple of times trying to guard him, and it, it, he didn't stand a chance, man. I think he drove and reverse laid it, laid it up on him one time. But the Dallas Mavericks, now they lead that series three games to two. They can close that out with a, with a, with a, with a win. Dallas also blew this game open in the second quarter. Just like Toronto did Philly. They went on a 22-4 run in the second quarter. And Utah won six minutes without any points. Dry. Drought. 22-4 run. It was pretty much over with, man. Dallas led 52-36 at the half, and they didn't let up. Luka Doncic, big game, 33 points, 13 boards. Like I said, Jalen Brunson, 24 points. And that dude about to get paid, man. That dude's about to get paid. Because he was absolutely killing Utah. First three games. Then Luka Doncic came back in game four. Jalen had a good game. But Luka, Luka, is, Luka is Luka team. And they lost. They lost by one point. But Jalen had been killing. But when Luka comes back, Jalen had to take the back seat some. But he finished with 24 points. And now they're one game away from getting Utah up out of there. And Utah's star, Donovan Mitchell, he was hooping. First three games of the season, uh, of the series, averaging 30 points. But this game, just nine points. Four 15 field goals. Shot seven threes, then hit an area one. 0 for 7 from three-point range. He left the game hurt in the fourth quarter. I think he hurt his left hamstring. But they were already getting blown out anyway. But hopefully he's okay. Because if they don't have Donovan Mitchell, they damn sure don't have no chance to win. But Donovan held the nine points. As I said, averaged 30 points over the course of the first four games. He was off. Hamstring hurt in the fourth quarter, but nine points. He, he wasn't playing well before then. And former Grizzly Mike Conley Jr. didn't give them anything. He didn't give them anything at all. And I like Mike. Mike is a good guy, but that was his problem in, 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 here in Memphis with the Grizzlies. He was just inconsistent. 
Sometimes they'll have big games, and sometimes he just disappears. And this is one of those games in game five, he just disappeared. Four points, one of six field goals, 0 of three, three-pointers. And the result, Jazz got their ass whooped. 102 to 77. And Dallas clearly seems like the better team right now. Jason Kidd doing an outstanding job. Quinn Snyder, not so much. Rudy Gobert, I think he has 17 points, but, you know, non-factor. Luka Doncic is just a, he's a tough dude to deal with. Jalen Brunson is just a tough dude to deal with. For them. But Luka, seriously. And congratulations to Memphis Grizzlies, John Morant. He was named the N- NBA Most Improved Player. Now, he got rookie of the year two years ago. And now he's most improved player in year three. Now, his game has got going up, going up to another another level. But John knows that he's been cold anyway. He should have been in another category. A lot of people don't think he should have, but he should have been in the MVP talk. And to me, the MVP is the most exciting player or outstanding player, most entertaining player, most productive player in the league. They're trying to tell you what well, this means valuable to the team. And if the team's still winning, okay, that yeah, I get it. That ain't what it should be then. B. Most valuable players should also mean most valuable to the fans. Who entertains the fans because that's who makes the, the league go. They're the ones who watching. They're the ones who buying the tickets. But Ja wasn't on that list. He was a finalist for most improved player, which he won. And as quick as he got the trophy, he sent it to his teammate Desmond Bay. Little video posted. Desmond walking into his kitchen or someone's kitchen. That's a box. And he opened up. He's like, come on, man. Get this back to 12. It's your award, 12. John Morant, I guess he immediately got the, I don't even, John Morant, man, I even got, he might've just said, as soon as he comes, just send it to, send it to Desmond Bain. Well, Desmond Bain is the most, I mean, he, he has, that dude is a straight baller. If anybody deserves most improved player in the league, it's him. But he didn't make the list. Ja did and gave it to Desmond. So salute to Ja for that. And salute to Desmond for Bain for being uh, the great player and stepping up his game like he has. And they take on the Minnesota Timberwolves Tuesday here in Memphis. The big old hashtag, big old Memphis. In the state of Memphis, the district of Memphis, Memphis, Memphis. In the district of Memphis, Minnesota Timberwolves. 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 This series tied at two apiece. We got game five coming. And one more thing before I get out of here, man. I, I wish this is a podcast. I mean, have y'all seen that damn picture that Oklahoma unveiled a statue of, uh, of Baker Mayfield? That damn thing's so ugly, man. I'm sorry. If I was Baker Mayfield, I would have said that right then and there. That statue doesn't look anything like Baker Mayfield. Now, it does look like an old-school football player from the 1930s or 40s or something. It don't look like Baker Mayfield. I, who made that damn statue? Y'all need to get y'all money back. Because it's oogly. 
Like we say in the hood, Shaq. We do say that in the hood, Shaq. That's oogly. Oogly, oogly, man. But they did get Baker Mayfield the statue. But that statue is horrible. Absolutely horrible. Oh, I do want to add one other thing. I saw a little, I also saw a video of Michael Irvin and uh, Michael Parsons. Michael Irvin, Dallas Cowboys legend, Hall of Famer, Michael Parsons, future Dallas Cowboys legend, and probably Hall of Famer. They went to the Earl Spence fight in Arlington, you know, in Cowboys Stadium. And after the fight, they put his championship belts on. Now, nah, bro, I, I, you shouldn't do that. Just like I don't believe in touching anybody's Super Bowl ring. Just like I don't believe in touching anybody's Hall of Fame jacket. Like my brother Isaac Bruce never even touched his jacket. You shouldn't. You got to earn that. So that man earned them belts, man. Let me putting them belts around your, your waist and, and draping, them, draping, them across, draping them across your shoulder. Got to earn that. Y'all sport football, man. Here's his boxing. But that's just my, you know, that's just something I say, something I do. You know, that's just something I believe in. Something I believe in. But anyway, that's going to do it for another great edition of the Run Pass Option with Pro Football Hall of Famer Isaac Bruce and Doc Holliday. I am Doc Holliday, and I'm gone. I'm gone. I'm out. (laughs) 